Chapter Twenty One of Howarths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Howarths by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Chapter Twenty One, in which Mrs. Briley's position is delicate. So the poor and hard worked of the town came to know her well and it must also be confessed that others less deserving learned to know her also and proceeded with much thrift and dexterity to make hay while the sun shone howarth held to his bargain even going to the length of lavishness howarth gives it to her was said with marked incredulity at the outset nay lad they canna make me believe that mrs howarth's earliest visit was made to the briarly cottage she came attired in her simplest gown, the week after her appearance at the chapel, and her entrance into the household created such an excitement as somewhat disturbed her. The children were scattered with wild hustling and scurry, while Janie dragged off her apron in the temporary seclusion offered by the door. Mrs. Briley, wiping the soap suds from her arms, hurried forward with apologetic nervousness. She dropped a curtsy, scarcely knowing what words of welcome would be appropriate for the occasion, and secretly speculating on possible results. But her visitor's demeanour was not overpowering. She dropped a curtsy herself, a kindly and rustic obeisance. She even looked somewhat timid. "'I'm Mr. Howarth's mother, ma'am,' she faltered, and, "'and thank you kindly,' taking the seat offered. Don't put yourself out, ma'am, for me. There wasn't no need to send the children away, not at all, me being partial to em and also used. The next instant she gave a timid start. Gimme me best cap, cried a stentorian voice. Gimme me best cap. Where is it? Gimme me best cap. Granny Dixon's high basket back chair had been placed in the shadow of the chimney corner for the better enjoyment of her midday nap and suddenly aroused by some unknown cause, she had promptly become conscious of the presence of a visitor and the dire need of some addition to her toilet. She sat up, her small boned figure, trembling with wrath, her large eyes shining. Gimme me best cap, she demanded. Get me! Mrs. Briley disappeared into the adjacent room and came out with the article required in her hand. It was a smart cap with a lace border and blue bows on it. Put it on, shouted Mrs. Dixon, and put it on straight. Mrs. Briley obeyed nervously. She's my master's grandmother, she exclaimed plaintively. You mun't mind her, missus. Granny Dixon fixed her eyes on the stranger. She getting it, she proclaimed. I didna. I'd never about that thing in the world. Blue never were becoming to me. She getting it, she never had no taste. Aye, said Mrs. Briley. I did get it for thee, the nasty old piece. But thou'lt never catch me at that like again, giving thee presents when I are not a bit of finery to me name. It allus set me off, Red did, cried Mrs. Dixon. It were me favourite colour when I were a lass, and I were a good-looking lass too, seventy year ago. I'm sure you was, ma'am, responded Mrs. Howarth. I've no doubt on it. She canna hear thee, said Mrs. Briley. She's as deaf as a post. Thill-tempered old besom, 
and proceeded to give a free translation at the top of her lungs. She says thy munna bin handsome. She says anybody could see to look at thee. Aye, sharply. She's reet too. I were seventy year ago. Who is she? She's Mester Howarth's mother. Mester Howarth's mother, promptly. Didna thou tell me he were a rich man? Aye, I did. Well then, what does she dress thee that road for? She's known quality. She does not look much better nor thee. E bless us, protested Mrs. Browley. What a body to do wi' her. Don't mind her, ma'am, said Mrs. Howarth. It don't do no harm. An old person's often singular. It don't trouble me. Then Janey, issuing from her retirement in comparatively full dress, was presented with due ceremony. It were her as fun thy place in the inn-book, said Mrs. Browley. She's a good bit of help to me, is Jane Anne. It seemed an easy thing afterward to pour forth her troubles, and she found herself so far encouraged by her visitor's naive friendliness that she was even more eloquent than usual. There's trouble everywhere, she said, and I dare say there has the share, missus, for all the brass. Politeness forbade a more definite reference to the goings-on, which had called forth so much virtuous indignation on the part of the Broxton matrons. She felt it but hospitable to wait until her guest told her own story of tribulation. But Mrs. Howarth sat smiling placidly. I've seen it in my day, she said, and it were heavy enough too, my dear, and seemed heavier than it were, perhaps, though me being a young thing and helpless, but I should be an ungrateful woman if I didn't try to forget now as it had ever been. A woman as has such a son as I have, one that's prospered and lived a pure good life, and never done a wilful wrong, and has won friends and respect everywhere, has enough happiness to help her forget troubles that's past and gone. Mrs. Briley stopped halfway to the ground in the act of picking up Granny Dixon's discarded headgear. Her eyes were wide open, her jaw fell a little, but her visitor went on without noticing her. Though for the matter of that, she said, I dare say there's not one on you as doesn't know his ways and couldn't tell me of some of his goodness as I should never find out from him. Where art thou putting me cap? shouted Granny Dixon. What art thou doing with me cap? Does thou think because I've got a bit of brass I cannot the bear coven we head dresses? Mrs. Briley had picked up the cap and was only rescued by this timely warning from the fatal imprudence of putting it in the fire and stirring it violently with the poker. Art the daisider than common? shrieked the old woman. Has the gone daft? What art the staring at? I am na staring at nout, said Mrs. Briley with a start. I, I were hearkening to the lady here, as I did na think o' what I were doing. She did not fully recover herself during the whole of her visitor's stay, and in fact several times lapsed into the same meditative condition. When Howarth's charitable intentions were made known to her, she stopped jolting the baby and sat in wild confusion. Did they say as he were going to give thee money? she exclaimed. Money to gee away? He said he'd give it without a grudge, said his mother proudly. Without a grudge, if it pleased me. That's his way, my dear. It were his way from the time he were a boy and worked so hard to give me a comfortable home. He give it, he said, without a grudge. Jane Anne, said Mrs. Briley, standing at the door to watch her out of sight. Jane Anne, what dost thou think o' that there? She said it helplessly, 
clutching at the child on her hip with a despairing grasp. Did the hearer? she demanded. She were talking a Howarth, and she were priding herself on the son he'd been to her, and and the way he'd lived. The cold sweat broke out all over me. No wonder I were for putting the cap in the fire. Lord, have mercy on us. But Janey regarded the matter from a more practical standpoint. He hasna treated her ill, she said. Happen he isna so bad after all. Did tha hear what she said about th money? End of chapter 21